Ziploc that Right on my waistline is why I kept that strap I remember nights, I didn't remember nights I damn near went crazy, I had to get it right Now I'm your favorite rapper's favorite rapper Hey, now I'm your favorite trapper's favorite trapper The absolute truth, yeah, no joke Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Trap Draw Podcast. My name is Randy. I am actually flying solo today without my guy, TC, but we have a great episode on tap for you. We are talking LPGA golf, and I have a couple of great guests. The first one is Beth Ann Nichols of Golf Week. You can find all of her work at golfweek.com. Follow her on Twitter at Golf Week Nichols, I would recommend it to everybody. She is an excellent source of information. I catch up with her on all things LPGA. A lot of news the last couple of months. Of course, the start of the season back in January, early February, and now uh, with a couple of events starting back up in Asia, including this weekend, we look forward to the rest of the 2022 season. And then on the back of that conversation with Beth Ann, I get a chance to talk to newly minted U.S. Solheim Cup captain Stacy Lewis. Uh, really enjoyed the opportunity to get to talk to her for a bit. It's about 20 minutes talking about, you know, uh, the whole process being named the Solheim Cup captain, what her mindset is going into next year, uh, the qualification system, whether in fact she can be a playing captain, all of that stuff. So we're talking all things women's golf this week, LPGA Tour, Solheim Cup. I really hope you enjoy the episode. And now uh, for my first conversation, here's Beth Ann Nichols. Beth Ann, thank you once again for joining me. These are always a treat for me. How are you doing today? Likewise. Thank you. I always I always blushed at your glowing introductions. Thank you. <laughs> Big fan as well. Always fun to chat with you. <laughs> well, good, good. Um, I, I didn't quite know where to start, but the more I thought about it, I, I think I'd love to just start with what Hannah Green was able to do recently and her win down in Australia. And I was hoping you could just talk about what she did and why that is historical. Set the stage for people that may not be aware of of what she accomplished. Yeah. So unfortunately, the LPGA isn't playing in Australia and, and the big events we're, we're, we're used to, like the Australian Open, of course. But, but Hannah Green has been down in her her native land, um, preparing and, and, and of course she just won a big mixed event where, where men and women are playing. It was a 72 hole event, which is what made it historic. And that a woman won uh, a mixed event playing from of course, different tees. And, um, and so, you know, what I loved most about, um, reading Hannah's, Hannah's thoughts on this is that she said, you know, I, I could easily see 20 of these, you know, popping up on the calendar, you know, in future years. And I think that was probably my biggest takeaway from it that, um, you know, this is such a tremendous model and, and, and what a great way to grow the game across the board around the world. And specifically it was the TPS Murray river event, uh, down in Australia part of the PGA tour of Austral, I, I can never say this correctly, Australasia, <laughs> uh, the Australian plus Asian uh, combined. And they have an Australia's player series, which has a few of these mixed gender events. Um, I was curious, I was reading about it. I guess they have 
different tees, right. For, for the men and the women. Um, but they compete on the same leaderboard and, and obviously Hannah, uh, not only won, but a four shot victory. She was tied for the league going into the fourth and final round and then shot, I believe a 66 to win by four shots, which is really, really awesome. Um, I think this is something myself and a lot of fans of golf, would love to see between the PGA Tour and LPGA Tour at some point down the road. I know they're talking about doing some things more in conjunction in the years ahead. Do you, do you think an idea like this would ever take hold at at the top level uh, on the of the American tours? Gosh, wouldn't you hope so? I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I think that what's what's key here is that you know if, if it's an event where where folks are getting world ranking points where they're you know getting FedEx Cup points you know if you if you, if you can entice players with all the extras that make an event for them worth going to have a big enough purse uh, that that would satisfy you know the men certainly if it would satisfy the men it'd be incredible for the women so if you can meet all of those requirements then yes i definitely think so and and you know you because you don't want to see it be if you're gonna do it you're gonna do it right right like you want justin thomas in the field and victor hovland and john rom and you know what i mean you want the best of the best against the best women and so you know i think this definitely we want uh, everyone wants to see you know a, a mixed team event come back and I, but I think this would kind of take it to another level of intrigue if they're playing against each other. And of course, then you have to have the setup be exactly right <laughs> for it to be yeah, fair for the women. But, <laughs> but what an opportunity if that were to happen to educate the masses on, on how to properly set up a golf course that's fair to both genders. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I do want to point out this exact thing uh, is currently happening on the well, now the DP World Tour, the the men's European Tour and the women's European Tour, uh, Henrik Stenson mm-hmm. and and Annika host what they call the Volvo uh, Scandinavian Mixed Event. I believe last year was the first iteration uh, mm-hmm. scheduled for June of this year as well. And I caught a little bit of it on TV. I, I guess my only regret there is I wish we could get more coverage. Uh, but if, mm-hmm. if folks are curious to kind of see how it. It, it really plays out. Check out the uh, the European tours come June because they they run an event like this as well. So, uh, but yeah, I'm totally with you. You know, I it 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 would be so much fun. And and to your point, it it really would need to have the the biggest names involved, right? Um, certainly, I don't think that's as much of an issue on the on the women's side right now. But making sure you get the the best of the best on the men's side too, just to lend that credibility and, and really suck in as many casual fans um, mm-hmm. as you can to get as many eyeballs on it would be fantastic. hundred so. percent. And I did catch a little bit of that last year and, and it was fun to see how, how the men and women, you know, attack tolls differently to listen to the, the commentators, you know, compare and contrast and, and, you know, I mean, I think it, 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 that took a little more of a dedicated fan because there were a lot of new faces for, for most us based fans, you know, to, to figure out, you know, what was going on, but, um, but still a wonderful opportunity to appreciate the, the nuances between the two genders. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, the only other thing I wanted to ask you uh, about Hannah green, part of her media tour after, after winning, uh, she's currently ranked 30th in the Rolex rankings. 
she says she wants to get into the top 10. Uh, I, I feel like that's a very realistic goal for her. I, I mean, she, she strikes me as a type of player that when she's on, it's, it's obviously world-class, you know, she has a major, she won the KPMG women's PGA a few years back. Uh, do you think that's an attainable goal for her as early as 2022? You know, actually, I do think it is. Uh, and, and I think, you know, she spent some time uh, trying to, to gain distance and she did, she was successful and she came back to the tour um, last year and the courses were a lot different to her because she's taking different lines, different, different clubs in her hand going into the greens. And, um, and, and she's, she is the type of player that I, I feel like she always strikes me as older than she really is. Like, I yeah. feel like she has a really good head on her shoulders and, you know, she seems like she has a lot more experience than she really does. So I don't know why that is, but maybe it's just the way she carries herself. But I, I feel like she has kind of an old soul and a wonderful mentor in, in Kari Webb. And, and I think she can, she, and, and obviously a fantastic support system it, with the way Australia, the model that they have. Um, I, I really think she can be a top 10 player. Well, the other big piece of, I, I, I guess, for lack of a better term, historical news or um, really great news on the LPGA tour, going back to January, it was announced that the U.S. Women's Open purse would be increasing to a total of $10 million this year. ProMedica has signed on to be the percenting sponsor of that tournament. And the total purse is going to increase to about 12 million over the next five years. That's nearly double what it was in 2021. I, I guess where I want to start is how much of this do you think, do you have any sense of how long this had been in the works? And, and I guess in conjunction with that, Obviously, Mike Wan, the former LPGA commissioner, has transitioned over to the USGA um, and, and is in charge there. I, did that impact uh, what has happened here at all, in your opinion? So it's my understanding that, and you know, there was there was a discussion going on. You know, there has been questions about this for a long time uh, in terms of you know the seemingly would be an easy way to elevate the purse. And I think the, the USGA was moving in that direction. I think it, it would have happened regardless of eventually um, of whether or not Mike wanted had uh, come to, to take over. But I definitely think that it happened as quickly and and it was such an incredible statement the way it was shaped uh, because of Mike Wan, uh, I think, you know, the, the actual partner came about after Mike Wan came on board, you know, so in terms of like actually making this come to fruition, that was all Mike Wan is, is, is my opinion, um, my understanding, but I definitely think that eventually it would have happened, but it might not have looked as good as it does right now, <laughs> right yeah. out of the gates, you know, because <laughs> I mean, look, no one can sell the LPGA product, the women's, the women's product better than Mike Wan. And so, you know, what better person to have at the helm to, to get this going and, and for people to digest it and accept it. And I really didn't hear much at all about, well, this really, you know, takes away from the championship. And, you know, I didn't hear any of that talk really in the aftermath. Maybe I wasn't listening in the right places, but for all the, the negativity about adding, taking away from the purity of just the U S women's open, uh, when it was all said and done, everybody's just looking at the money. Right. Right. Which is like, like I said, significant, you know, CME, uh, of course, the season-long CME points race is is something that has been 
going on for a while and, and, and CME has made a huge investment. The, the winner of the tour championship this year is going to receive 2 million. There seems to be a, a great momentum with, with investing and investment in the women's game right now. Do, do you feel that way as well? Can you remember a time where it seems like this much investment and money has come into the women's game? No, I mean, you, you've always had great champions of the women's game, right? I mean, you look at David Foster, you know, Colgate Palmolive, you know, starting what what's now the Chevron. <laughs> um, you know, you have Jacques and Franck uh, at Evian, you know, putting a lot of money behind, you know, what's now a major. They, they, they've they been longstanding champions. And to, to your point, Terry Duffy at CME. But the difference is now you have the governing bodies, really throwing their weight and, and the PGA of America throwing their weight behind the product. And, and so partnering with the KPMGs and the AIGs of, of the world to, to really push each other. And so um, that's why this is so unprecedented because it's not just the one man who's the CEO, uh, you know, championing the cause it, it now it's an organization and those organizations have a lot of of clout and um, and and deep pockets and can can really move things and so that's why in my opinion this is unprecedented. And I think what makes me so excited and I, I would assume what makes all fans of of the LPGA Tour so excited is it, it seems like we have this great crop of of young talent that seems to be growing each year and when you combine in some some real tangible investment and like you said it's it's not only the lpga itself it's it's the governing bodies it's it's the the u.s open um and and the sites that some of these majors are going to be played at right like they're going to uh, muirfield this year for the women's british open i'm so excited in 2026 to see the women play riviera for the U.S. Women's <laughs> Open, um, that, yeah. that course is fantastic. I, I guess it feels like a really good time in, in the women's game, and I and you know I, I feel like I, I'm not as rooted in the history, and and certainly I, I don't you know I'm I'm a little bit newer to the game, but it's it's a fun feeling, and and I guess you know I, if if you feel that way too, because obviously you've. You, you've been around for, for, for many years and, and really intimately know the game. I'm just curious if you kind of share that, that excitement and optimism. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I, I, I get so excited now whenever I know a new site announcement is coming out or I catch wind of something because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it's going to be a first, right. Because that's mm-hmm. kind of the, the role that we're on now for the women going to golf courses that, that they've never been to before for major championships. So a hundred percent. And I think, you know, a lot of people, most golf fans probably don't know that the RNA being involved in, in the British open is relatively new for, for, you know, the LPGA and the PGA of America being involved in a major championship is relatively new. So the women have been on their own for, for a very long time, or uh, were on their own for a very long time. And, and major championships were, you know, risky at times, you know, and they, they could, they could go away, which is something that no one ever, ever, ever thinks about in the men's game, but it's a reality in the women's game, or at least it was. And certainly, um, you know, there were some question marks about the future of the ANA. And so it's wonderful to have, 
a blue chip company like Chevron that everyone around the world knows the name Chevron at, at the front of, of the first major of the year. So as title sponsor. So I think that I feel like everyone else is catching up to, to the talent. Right. And, um, and of course the talent's getting deeper and deeper, but, but the talent's been good for a while. And now it just seems like other people are waking up to it. And that's probably more where I fall, to be honest. And, and I also, you know, when I hear you talking about the history and, and, you know, how tenuous it was at, at certain times, right. It, it, mm-hmm. you know, I should do a better job of appreciating the people and the companies and the tournaments and the organizations that, that really helped bridge the gap on the LPGA tour to kind of get it through some leaner times and get it to a position now where, you know, things look really bright for the future. So I, I always think back to, and I think it starts with, with the founders, right. And, and mm-hmm. your crusade. And I think crusade is a great word. Uh, it should be to, <laughs> to get them into the hall of fame. Right. And, and to have right. that recognition um, it's, yeah, there's so many, probably people and faces and, and organizations that I'm not even aware of that have done so much to, to help get the women's game to where it is. And I, I have to interject with one of my, my favorite small stories uh, just about money, just real quick. Cause yeah, please. I, th- I think it kind of brings, brings things into focus, you know, that when this, when this huge announcement of Prometica for the U.S. Women's Open, you know, came out, <laughs> Danielle Kang was was sitting in a chair alongside <laughs> um, Julie Inkster. And, and Danielle Kang's talking about coin laundry, you know, going when she's on the road <laughs> doing coin laundry. And I think most people would be like, huh, what? <laughs> you know, like, why would you be doing coin laundry? Because it's expensive at these really nice hotels to get your to get your laundry done, number one, and if you're staying at them, but most of the time they're not staying at the Ritz, you know, <laughs> so, right. so they need those coins. And, and I think, you know, another Julie sitting right there. And one of my favorite stories that she tells is that when she played in her first U.S. Women's Open in the late seventies, she'd never seen so many brand new titleists as in her life as she had on the range and that she was an amateur at the time and that she was used to looking in the canyons for golf balls and uh, (laughs) used balls. And so she pocketed a few of those range balls from the U.S. Women's Open. She stole balls from the U.S. Women's Open and yet still won the Bob Jones Award recently. But but I just I just love that because, you know, her eyes were so wide to, you know, something she'd never seen before. And I just think those those little stories of the past and the current what's going on right now just kind of help put all of this into perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I love that story. Uh, and you know what I was just thinking too, is, uh, honestly, maybe the, one of the most impactful things for the women's games I, I didn't even mention is Epson coming along and mm. becoming the title sponsor for what was the Symmetra tour, uh, the women's equivalent of the corn Ferry tour and the, the investment that they're making. Cause I think that's every bit as important to, to help, with purses and travel costs. Cause I know that's not a glamorous lifestyle either. So, so the more that, you know, that, that talent that's just on the cusp of the LPGA can really play a lot of golf and, and hone their craft and, and graduate then onto the LPGA tour. I mean, that's, that's a really big deal too. So they, they for 100%. sure deserve to be mentioned as well. Yes. And, and, and they're, they're going above and beyond too. You know, it's not just, 
putting their name, you know, on the front of the tour, but they're, you know, they're actually sponsoring players who get their card to help them when they get out on tour after they graduate to, to have a little bit, you know, more seed money in their back pocket. And I, and it's, it's fantastic. I, I heard one of the players is about to film a commercial with Shaq because he's uh, oh, nice. one of one of Shaq's many uh, <laughs> uh, sponsorships is, yeah. is, is he's the face guy for Epson so you know I, I just think it's it's fantastic for the LPGA that you know the stronger the Epson tour is the better overall for the game as a whole yeah absolutely Hey everybody, sorry to interrupt the episode. Randy here again. I want to thank our sponsor today, and that is our good friends at DraftKings Sportsbook. The players have made their way to the Sunshine State for not only the Bay Hill Invitational this week, but also the Players' Championship next week. And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting operator of the PGA Tour, has a gimme for new customers. Place any golf bet of at least $5 and get $100 in free bets no matter what. You can bet a golfer to win, bet single-round matchups, so much more. As long as you throw down $5, you'll get $100 in free bets. And if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can you can still get in on the PGA Tour action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Golf Contest. Draft your lineup of six golfers and compete for over $10 million in prizes this week. So right now, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use promo code NLU. Place a golf bet of at least $5 and get $100 in free bets no matter the outcome. That's promo code NLU at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting operator of the PGA Tour. Finally, if you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER in Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Wyoming, 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and New Hampshire, 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, 877-8-HOPE-NY, or text HOPE-NY in New York. Visit opgr.org in Oregon. Call text Tennessee Redline at 1-800-889-9789. And finally, 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. 21 and over, 18 and over, in New Hampshire and Wyoming, physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Michigan, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Well, shifting focus uh, to what has transpired in 2022, we had the the three tournaments in the in January, and then we've been on a bit of a break here before the season really starts in earnest this weekend. Uh, a couple events over in Asia, and then they'll come back stateside, leading into the first major, the the Chevron, and then it's like you know we're off to the races, and and the the calendar is full. I guess those first three tournaments, you know, uh, kind of a continuation, right? Danielle Kang won the Tournament of Champions down at Lake Nona to open the year. Lydia Ko won at Gamebridge, uh, the, the second event of the year. And then Leona McGuire broke through for her first victory at the drive-on uh, the first week of February. Uh, any big takeaways for you uh, from these first few weeks of uh, 2022? Well, I mean, my first is just I love that it didn't take Leona McGuire very long to, to get it done because now I feel like 
you know, that anticipation following the Solheim cup of, you know, it seemed inevitable that that's done now. Now I feel like we can really put major pressure on her. Right. (laughs) I love doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I love doing that. Go win a major. So I, I just, it's just, it just kind of frees us up to take it to another level, you know? So she's just, she's just so such a fun character to follow and to get excited about. And so still can't get over. She's the first Irish woman to win. Uh, just still mind blowing to me, but, mm-hmm. um, but I, I just love, I love that. That's my biggest takeaway, I think. But then I also appreciate the fact that, you know, cause I'm counting her as a big name now as that big names are, are, are winning early and that, yeah. and that's what this tour needs, you know? And so, you know, the, of course, Lydia winning is a huge thing. Danielle, you know, getting into the mix. I mean, it's, it's, it's wonderful as, as, as the shame of it all, of course, is that we had this huge long break in the middle of it um, or right after it, I should say, but you know, it, it, the world still isn't what it was in t- 2019. So a lot of the international schedule uh, unfortunately can't go on as usual still. So, you know, that's just something that hopefully we won't see in 2023. Yeah. Uh, you're absolutely right. Couldn't agree with you more about Leona. Definitely, <laughs> definitely going to have expectations to, to win mm-hmm. majors. Now I'm so excited to see, I, I always, in my mind, I guess I like to think that getting that first breakthrough win can be a, such a relief of sorts, right. Or can really, mm-hmm. you know, once you get a taste and, and you do it one time, I'm always fascinated to see if that unlocks or unleashes. Oh God, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, maybe, maybe she'll run off quite a few wins here. Uh, very, yeah. very interested to see where she goes. Without much golf having been played in 2022, I think what I really wanted to do, Beth Ann, uh, you know, I'm so good at predictions, so I wanted to put you on the spot to make some predictions. <laughs> I fi- I figured that'd be the most fun. Maybe at the end of the year we can go back and and laugh about, uh, you know, <laughs> either <laughs> either how right you were and how wrong I was, or you know, vice versa. Or maybe we'll both be wrong. But um, I, I I have a few questions and want want to get some official guesses out there on the record. So if you don't mind, where I would love to start is I would love to to know who you think will be on, on December 31st of 2022, who you think will be ranked number one in the world. I, I feel like, I don't know what's controversial at this point, because <laughs> I mean, I, I'm going to say that the person who's currently ranked number one will still be number one. And that's Jin Young Coke. And I don't know if, if, if most people think Nellie Corda is going to be number one. I, I don't know, you know, but I feel like, you know, Jin Young has been sort of, you know, waiting in the wings. She's been, grinding in the desert, you know, hitting balls at, you know, and playing golf at Rancho Mirage, you know, she's, she's uh, gearing up. I just feel like she's going to have a, a big one, two punch in Asia. And then she's going to take off, you know, at, at the Chevron. I mean, I, I just really feel that way. And um, I mean, it's hard to bet against her after the statement that she made uh, at the season ender last year when, mm-hmm. when it was all on the line. And I think, I guess my follow-up question would be her and Nelly have a, a pretty decent margin between them and, and Lydia Coe's ranked third. I, I guess my question to you would be, it's got to be one of those two, right? Like, it feels like, right. I, I don't know if anybody's going to make up that much of a gap in just one calendar year. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I mean, I feel like, you know, they've separated themselves, as you say. That being said, though, I mean, what Lydia did, 
last year uh, at the Dinosaur Tournament course was incredible on Sunday. And, you know, if she continues the strong form and goes in there, I, I, I always have Lydia as the Jordan Spieth of the LPGA. You know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah. when, when she wins another major, I'll say she's back. You know, and that, that's how I feel. And I, and who knows, I mean, I, if she can get into that mix or, uh, Yuka Sasso can somehow, you know, come flying out. Um, but I, it just, it's just hard to get past Jen Young and Nellie Corda right now. Mm-hmm. I'm curious if you think, cause my next question for you was who your pick for the Rolex player of the year this year is going to be and how likely it would be. I mean, I mean, I think it can it can be somebody out of outside of Jin Young Ko and Nelly and even Lydia even right I, mm-hmm. I I I guess I'm curious how much of a different question do you think that is than asking you who you think will be ranked number one at the end of the year? Yeah, because you know the rankings are obviously in my mind a little more complicated and they're a two year window, so mm-hmm. it, it is different than Player of the Year, which is solely points, very black and white for this this year, this calendar year. So. Uh, certainly that, that has some impact. Um, it could be someone different, but, um, you know, who, who could that be? Uh, I, I, I really think it's going to be out of that, that top group though, that we've already mentioned. I mean, I, I could be wrong, but I don't see it straying that far. Didn't Jen Young Ko is so gosh darn consistent, <laughs> right? She top 10 yeah. so much. Like you just feel like even if she doesn't win two majors and six titles, she's going to be in the mix so much that she's going to, you know, top 10 you to death. I know. Well, when you hit every green and regulation, it's like, it's hard not to, you know, (laughs) it's hard not to finish outside the top, top 10. It feels like, right. Right. Um, Well, if you had to put your money, then who are you staking your claim to? Would it be Jin Young? I'm, I'm, I'm still stuck on Jin Young until she proves me otherwise. Okay. All right. I will, uh, just for the sake of somebody different, I, I, I really want Patty Tavitanikit to have a monster year. So I don't think she can make up the ground to, to be ranked number one in the, in the world rankings, but, um, perhaps she can, she can have that type of breakout and win the Rolex player of the year this year. I mean, I know she has broken out, but, uh, per, perhaps she could Next win level. that this year. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So I'll, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go a bit off the board there and, and take Patty um, this year. <laughs> I know this is an impossible task, but I, I think it's always at least fun. Uh, do we want to try to guess who's going to win each major? Oh, each major. Gosh. <laughs> that, that, is a, that is a tough one. Who, or so. maybe the better one is like, who, who do you like? I, I mean, you said Lydia Ko um, out in Mission Hills for the for the Chevron. Any other mm. kind of course fits that that you can think of off the top of your head? Hmm. Well, I've never been to Congressional, so um, that any, neither have any of the other LPGA players. And so. it was just redone, you know. So <laughs> very very blank slate there. Uh, yeah. So that that's that's a tougher one. You know, going going down to Pine Needles. That that's interesting. Um, of course, Christy Kerr won the last time the women were there, and she was right up against uh, Lorena Ochoa down the stretch. Gosh, I, I, I'm I'm hopeful Christy Kerr gets in the field because she used her exemption last year at oh, that's right uh, at the Women's Open. So I don't know that at Olympics. So she might have to 
you might have to go through this 36 hole qualifier. I'm going off a tangent here as I buy time to decide who I think. My well, no, it's, it's an impossible question. Let me ask you a more detailed question. Do you have somebody that you think will be a breakthrough first time major winner this year? Well, I, I feel like a broken record because I really thought Jennifer Cupcho initially, I thought she would make a major her first win. Now mm-hmm. I'm not really so sure. Um, although she played great at the Solheim cup, big stage, huge stage, but it's such a mental grind. You know, I, I, I just, I don't know if that, if that's necessarily going to be the case or not. So anyways, I will go with the player that should have won one last year. And that's Yelimi. No, I, I think Mm -hmm. Yelimi no will, will win a major this year and I'm excited for it because I think she could be such a big star. Yes. I had so much fun again watching her at the Solheim last year. That that's a great pick. The one I was thinking is somebody like Nasa Hataoka, whether she can mm. break through. I feel like you know she's got so much experience at this point. Seems like she's gonna nab one at some point. Yeah, I I agree. She's definitely you know one of the best players on tour right now, if not the best tour player on tour to not win a major. So so she would be definitely a good one. She's come so close. Mm-hmm. What do, well, what do you think about Leona then? Going back to what we, we just discussed prior. Do you think this year is the year for her? Yeah, I mean, I, I, let's 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 have Leona win at Muirfield. Why oh, not, right? Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah, talk about that would be awesome. Right? Wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I feel like I feel like we, you know, I, I was thinking about this though when when the women played the old course for the first time back in 2007 and Lorena Ochoa was number one in the world and, and she won and it was, she, you know, one kind of going away and it was, it was so storybook and it was so fitting that the women come to such an iconic, important place like the old course for the first time and, and well overdue and that someone like Lorena wins. And so I, I hope that it's something like that at Muirfield where we have uh, I mean, of course, whoever wins is going to be deserving, but but somebody that just kind of rises to the moment, meets the moment that it is going to be, you know, to have a to have the women play for a major title at Muirfield for the first time. I think along those lines, obviously, Georgia Hall would be a, a very popular one or or uh, mm-hmm. or uh, Charlie Hall, you know, yeah. would be would be very fun to see win over there in a setting like that. Uh yeah, that's gosh. Leona though would be oh that that would be very very exciting. Any outside of the majors, just I and I know probably Jennifer Cupcho is is top of list, but I, outside of Jennifer, even then, uh, anybody that you're kind of eyeing to to break through as just a first time winner on tour in general. So, um, my my first thought on that is a is a new player, a rookie on tour, and that's Titical, Taya Titical, who mm-hmm. who came so close in Thailand last year against Aria Jutanagarn, just an absolute breakout star, had an incredible year on the Ladies European Tour last year. You know, you expect her to win this year. She's that kind of player that she doesn't feel like a rookie at all, even though she's really young. Um, and then on the opposite side of the spectrum. I'd like to see Brittany Altamare win, you know, here's, here's a veteran player who's been on two Solheim cup teams now. And um, I talked to her late last year and I know that, that getting engaged and then, you know, that the road up to marriage um, she felt a little bit of stressed out, like her career clock was ticking and, 
and it, and it messed with her, you know? And so she, she kind of, she kind of gave herself a little bit of a, of a, of a hall pass to say, okay, I'm going to give myself two years. I'm not going to worry about babies and marriage life. And my husband, you know, all of a sudden being number one in my life, you know, I'm still going to give it everything for two years and see where it takes me. And so I think giving herself permission to do that and not feel like everything was changing in a, in a huge way. Um, I'll be really interesting to see how she takes that mindset into this year, because I think she's the type of player that can, that can win on the LPGA. And, and I, I, I would like to see her do it. Definitely. Yeah. You figure one of those weeks when her putter gets really hot, uh, yes. she, she would have a good look at it. Um, the, the next question, I think probably I know your answer based on what you just told me before, uh, Brittany, I was going to ask who, who you think will win the rookie of the year. I, and I guess maybe the better question oh, yeah. is, does anybody outside of a Titicool have a chance to win rookie of the year? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I mean, of course, of course, you know, there could be an upset, but, uh, but gosh, it's, it's really hard to imagine. She's so good, you know? I mean, although yeah. technically, technically Hanako Shibuno is going to be a rookie. Oh, um, that's right. Uh, technically, and she's already won a major. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess she could, but, <laughs> yeah. um, but, but, you know, I, I definitely think that even so, in terms of like recent form, you still have to give the nod to Titical just based on the consistency of how well she plays when she gets into LPGA events. Mm -hmm. I, I was going to, one of the questions I had down was if, uh, if you thought Titicool would finish in the top 20 for the, the season long race to the CME. And I, my reasoning for that is just curious how you think she would transition to life full time on the LPGA tour this year. You know, I think she's played enough, enough LPGA co-sanctioned events as well, you know, on the European tour. I think she's had enough starts to really to, to obviously know she she belongs uh and and she's the type of player that's been a, a global phenom for so long that she fits in the mold of an area jutanagarn and alexi thompson and a brooke henderson she's that kind of player so um so i don't think there will be much of a transition period for her at all that's my that's my opinion yeah <laughs> my prediction I, <laughs> I i tend to agree with you I did not have this on the agenda I sent over to you, but I want to put you on the spot with, with one last question. Do you think either of the Stanford stars, uh, Rose Zhang or Rachel Heck, will contend in a major this year or any other amateurs that you could see really making a splash? I definitely think um, Rose Zhang can contend in a major. I think she has that mental capacity right now to do that. I see Rachel Heck more in a, you know, can she top 10, you know, kind of a thing, you know, but I don't know that Rachel Heck is quite ready for the magnitude of that moment. And I only say that because, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a slam dunk at the NCAA championship last year. Like she felt a lot of heat and a lot of pressure and, and, you know, obviously for good reason, because she'd won so many times in her yeah. one semester of college <laughs> six times, but but still, I, I think Rose Zhang mentally is already there. Um, so, so that's why I'd put her a little bit ahead of, of Rachel. Um, you know, I think the most interesting question is, 
we know Rachel's going to stay four years, but how long is Rose Zhang really going to stay? And I don't think we can answer that until we see if she wins the annual, we see if she wins the NCAA championship. Um, and then kind of what happens after that. So she's already played a Curtis cup, but she and Rachel are great friends. So I could see them wanting to do at least one more together this year. And it's at Marion. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> right. right. Well, the last thing I wanted to ask you about, I, I guess the other, um, big piece of news that that came out is the new Solheim cup captain. Of course, the next Solheim cup will be 2023 over in Spain and the United States will have a new captain and it will be Stacy Lewis. What are your thoughts on her being named as captain? She's obviously still playing kind of bucks the trend of, of, of some of the, the prior captains. Was it a, a surprise to you? And, and how do you think she'll do in that role? So, um, so I wrote a column last fall. Um, the headline was the five reasons why Stacey Lewis should be the next Solheim Cup captain. So, well, so they um, just I, listen to you. So you're the power broker. Clearly, here. clearly. Yeah. So I, I mean, but that doesn't mean that it was going to happen, but I, <laughs> I definitely thought she should be, should be the next captain. And, and part of that's because I knew Angela wanted to play again and wasn't quite ready to step into that role. So, you know, because I think maybe, you know, you would have thought, well, Angela seems, you know, given that she's a lot older, seems like the next, you know, logical person in line. But um, but Stacy, Stacy was is was and is ready, extremely ready for that role. And so I think that might surprise people because she's the youngest American captain ever. But she having been unfortunately inside outside the ropes in 2019 because of an injury and then you know obviously wasn't selected as a captain's pick controversially uh in Toledo um that you know she's had these two experiences and Stacy has the kind of mind that when she gets in the back end of something and sees how something can be better and should be better in her mind she's ready to tackle it and go and so I think that's definitely where she is. You know, when she did her first press conference. She's talking about how even just this run up to announcing the Solheim Cup can be changed dramatically going forward. <laughs> so her mind is already thinking about she feels like they reinvent the wheel every other year. There's no need to do that. And so I think there are a lot of ways that Stacey's going to change the role of captaincy for for Team USA going forward. And I think a lot of future captains are going to turn around and thank her for it. But I also think that uh, she's the perfect person to go up against Suzanne Pedersen uh, yes. in yes. Spain. Uh, and, and, and she said, I hope there aren't any rules controversies because <laughs> neither one of us are going to back down. And I yeah. thought, yes, bring on four rules controversies, please. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Because yes. as much as people get annoyed with them, I mean, it's the fun part, right? Oh, I mean, oh of course. Yes, yes. So. So yes, give us all of that and then some. So, um, so yeah, I think she'll be fantastic. I think she really is going to listen to players. She's going to be the type of captain that she's going to look at it from a very logical standpoint of what's going to make my team happy and what's going to help us to win. Those are her two big things. And so um, it's not going to be, what have we always done? You know, it's going to be, what do these players in this generation need? I, I think that's that's so well said. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. Yeah, c- congrats on pegging that uh, last fall. <laughs>
Well, you know, I could have looked really dumb, but most of the time people forget what I said anyway. So it would have been okay. But, but I, I just, I, I love the fact that it's a little outside the box, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I'm glad that the tour went ahead and did that. And it's gonna, I've never been to Spain. So that's another thing to get excited about. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, well, Bethan, this is, this is awesome. Again, folks uh, can follow you on Twitter at golf week, Nichols. They can go to golf week and, and read your columns. Um, I would urge everybody to, to give you a follow. You're, you're just a fountain of information and can't thank you enough again for your time and insight. And, uh, we'll have to check back in later this year, of course. Well, thank you. I always enjoy being on here and appreciate you supporting the women's game and love your enthusiasm, Randy. (laughs) All right. I am now joined by Stacy Lewis. She is not only a 13-time LPGA Tour winner, a two-time major winner, uh, two-time LPGA Player of the Year, former number one ranked player in the world, uh, but now can add the distinction as the youngest U.S. Solheim Cup captain in history. Stacy, first of all, congratulations. I guess my first question for you, if you don't mind, can you kind of walk us through how this whole process unfolded for you, including and up to when you actually received the news? Yeah. So, well, first, thanks for having me on. Um, this is really cool to, to be talking about. And, um, you know, it, it really kind of started after after Inverness and Toledo. You know, I, I really, really enjoyed being an assistant. Um, I had a blast doing it. And, you know, I think some of the girls started throwing my name around and other some media members started throwing my name around and I guess that was really started. But for me, I mean, I look back even to Germany in 2015 with Julie. I mean, she was, she had me in helping with pairings and, you know, I was kind of learning that part of it without even really realizing it. So it's been in the works for a while. Um, but I got, I officially got the call. It was that first week of January is right before I was leaving to go play in Florida. And it was the hardest month of my life, um, basically lying to everyone. And I don't know, I don't know when they're going to announce it. And, um, so it's, it's been really cool to finally be able to talk about it and tell people. Well, that's, that's fantastic. And I was candidly, I was really excited when I first heard the news. Um, I know I speaking to some folks at the LPGA tour, you know, just a few days prior to the official announcement, I was like, yeah, we, you know, we, the selection is in, it's, it's going to be a little bit, uh, unorthodox. I don't know if unorthodox is even the right word, but it, it kind of strays from how they've chosen captains in the past, I guess. And, um, you know, knowing your history and, and obviously all that you've done for the game at large, it's, it's, it's a fabulous selection. Uh, and I, and I want to get in, I love yeah. you and Suzanne Pedersen, uh, <laughs> matching up against each other, which I oh, want to yeah. ask you, but I was curious, have you thought about, you know, I, you, you come across to me as very competitive, but also a little soft spoken. Uh, and I don't know if that's fair or if you will, you know, have you, uh, do you think you'll be more of the fiery speech type in the locker room? <laughs> have you let yourself get that far uh, down the road? Yeah. You know, I'd say in the past, I've definitely haven't been that person. I've kind of left that to other people. Um, I've always been kind of the quiet leader and you kind of lead by example and that type of thing. But I, I do think I'm going to have to, do some things in this where I get outside my comfort zone and where I do need to be a little bit of a rah-rah and, um, you know, and, and, and I think the best part about, you know, kind of what I bring to the table is I know these players I've played with them every week. Um, there's a few that maybe I don't know as well, but 
I'm going to use the next year and a half to get to know people better and um, whether they need a rah-rah or whether they need a kick in the pants, you know, I think (laughs) Julia was always pretty good about that. She knew more often than than not, I needed the kick in the pants versus a hug. So, um, so that, you know, that's going to be kind of one of my my biggest things that I'm going to do over the next year or so. Yeah. I, I read in some interviews you've given that you, you say the Solheim cup is, uh, you know, the, the hardest tournament your, your players will, will ever play in. And obviously you have experience yourself having played in four of them. I, broadly speaking, I, I always love to hear from, from folks such as yourself, w- what makes that so? Is it as simple as, you know, you, you, you play beyond just yourself and for teammates and country? I mean, is it, yeah. is that it? It is. I mean, I think it's so big. I mean, for us, it, it is literally the biggest golfing event we'll ever play in as far as people watching the attendance, just, I mean, that first tee is so overwhelming. It's so tight. Um, but I think it's, you know, you want to win for your teammates and you want to win for your country and, you know, you kind of get lost in of, instead of, okay, this is just a drive. I'm just hitting the drive here. It's (laughs) like, oh my gosh, I can't hit it in the bunker. I can't, you know, like you just, you start thinking of all these bad things and it's just, it gets, it's just so much stress and you get nervous and, um, and it, and it builds throughout the week. And then all of a sudden Friday hits and it's like, Oh my gosh, here it is. You know, it's, um, as a rookie, it's very overwhelming. Just the nerves that you feel. I mean, I, I would say I felt more nerves at a Solheim cup than I felt trying to win a major championship for sure. So, um, so it's navigating that with the girls and knowing that it's okay. Like we're all going to be nervous. We're all going to have that nervous energy and, and finding out how to, how to use it in a good way. And you've played both on American soil and abroad. Is there much of a difference? Obviously your, your first captaincy will be abroad over in Spain. Mm-hmm. Um, would you prefer it that way or, or would you rather, you know, have your first captain yeah. appearance be, be on home soil? Yeah, I, I think any American wants to do it at home, but, um, but I like going overseas. I think as a team, you get a little bit more of an intimate experience of you get, you get to bond more. Um, you don't have as many friends and family there. So you're kind of just there with your little tight knit group. And, um, I still say my best celebrate, I mean, Germany after we won was so much fun. And it was because it was that tight little group. We, everybody each kind of had maybe, you know, just a couple of close family family members there. And that was really it. And it was, man, it was so much fun. So, um, so there's, there's pros and cons. I mean, we got to go deal with the fans and especially the fans in Spain are going to be very boisterous, I think. So, um, so you have to deal with that side of it, but I think from a team aspect, it's, I think it's a little bit more fun even. And I tend to agree. I I think you guys are in a great spot just in the sense that with Europe having one, two straight now and going, uh, to Europe to play, it, you can almost adopt that foxhole mentality and, and really, you know, that us against the world um, yeah. that, that I think is, can, can, can be a boost. So. Um, yeah. I mean, I think we're going to, we have I have a lot going against us right now. You go, we're going overseas. We've lost the last two, you know, they've got all the momentum really on their mm-hmm. side. And so, um, so we're going to, we're going to have to flip that script and hopefully we get, you know, maybe they finally get talked about as being the favorite, you know, we're always the favorite because right. on paper we should be. Um, but, you know, hopefully Europe gets talked about as the favorite because I mean, they should be, they've won the last two. Yeah. Um, and, and if playing is, 
can can generate all those nerves. Can you imagine your nerves in the captain's role? I, I you know, I <laughs> from my own experience, I've done a little bit of high school basketball coaching and it was amazing to me. Even at that level, it's like, oh my God, I'm so much more nervous than I ever was playing. I you know, in Toledo, I was less nervous than I've ever been. Okay. Um I think the hardest part is, you know, I can't go out there and hit a putt for him. You know, right, it's like, right. we just make one more putt. You know, it was, <laughs> it's, it's, that's how close the event is. It's literally yeah. just, we need to make one more putt and that's it. Um, so you realize pretty quickly, you can't hit a shot. Um, and really once the golf starts as, as a captain, you're kind of, that's, there's not really much else you can do. You put your pairings out there and you hope they go play well and you hope it works out. Um, um, but it'll be, you know, just trying to keep the girls loose and keep the team room fun. I mean, that, that, that week of that's going to be my goal. I mean, I'm going to do all the little stuff ahead of time, um, so that we could just have fun that week. Well, as far as a timeline between now and, and next September, when, I, I guess, and broadly speaking, when do you kind of get into Solheim cup mode? Are there things that you're doing right now as we speak, or does that kind of cut, you know, is it like, okay, 12 months out, I need to do this. Is there a timeline <laughs> yeah. that you have available to you yet? Or is that stuff do, you're just yeah. trying to work we've, through? We've been working on it already, you know, okay. um, you know, assistance is kind of on the list right now, kind of work thinking through some things there of what I want to do. And then, um, Obviously, with the economy and how long it takes to get everything right now, we have to get on clothes and bags right. and kind of all your soft goods, that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um, hopefully going to talk to Steve Stricker here soon. Um, I really, really want to talk to him and kind of get his insights from from last year's Ryder Cup. And um, just right now, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to learn, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a lot of listening. I want to talk to people. I want to know what they liked, what they didn't like, and just, you know, how we can be better. And, um, but it, yeah, it, it is a hundred percent started already. From your, from your playing experience, are, are there things that are top of mind that you'd like to see done differently? I'm, I'm sure there's mm -hmm. some things that you have, but anything that you'd be willing to share that, you know, you, you think mm -hmm. the team USA could do a better job with? Yeah. I mean, one thing I I've always kind of wondered about that I think we can do a better job with is just our practice time. Um, because I think you got 12 people that are going to prepare 12 different ways on a normal week. And then all of a sudden we kind of shove them into the same little block of window and say, okay, here's your practice time. And that really throws people off. It throws them for a loop and you get them out of their rhythm. And um, so I want to find a way to be a little bit more flexible with our practice and to be, you know, just to help them play better, to prepare the way they normally prepare. Um, so it just doesn't feel so foreign. Um, you know, that has a, from a playing side, that's something that I've always thought we could do a better job of it. And it's going to, it'll take some figuring out, but I think we can get there. Yeah. I know you've talked about like the 8am, you know, jump on the bus. I, 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 it makes me laugh because I'm one of those people that I would much rather play or really do anything in the afternoon than, you know, oh, at, at the crack of dawn. The good thing about Spain, I think we're staying on site. So at least we don't have to worry about that, that bus ride. You know, I remember Germany, we, we left in the dark every morning and we got home in the dark every yeah. night. So, I mean, if you want to take, maybe you took a nap at the golf course <laughs> or whatever you need to do, but it's, um, it definitely throws you out of your rhythm and some people are able to adapt and some people have a hard time. Another thing I wanted to ask you about is the qualification system. So for 2021, it was top seven on the points list automatically qualified plus then the next two uh, top ranked players in the Rolex rankings, leaving three captains right. picks. Will that same qualification system remain in place for 2023? 
Yep. We're going to, we're going to stick with that again. I think, you know, I think at least one of those picks is probably going to end up being your eighth place in points, but it just allows a little bit of flexibility there. And um, so we're going to, we're going to stick with that again. Okay. Um, yeah, I got to imagine it's, it's really difficult. And this was one of the things, you know, it's, it's so early. So of course you don't, it, it depends on who the actual players are, but I got to think it's really tough to stray from that points list to make captain's picks. It is. I mean, it, it ends, they either, they're going to be close on Rolex or they're going to be close on points. I mean, that's just kind of the way it always plays out. And, you know, I've been, I can tell the girls, you know, I've been number one in points going into the cup. I've been a pick. And I've been not been a pick, you know, I've been that person too. So it's like, I've been on all spectrums of it. You know, I know what it feels like to not get picked. I know what the joy of when you do get picked. So, um, so I, that'll help me in that whole process because I've heard that all the captains in the past have talked about the telling the players you're not picking is the worst part. And I I would think it would be, but, um, but I think it's also those players are going to be the ones that are going to play in future Solheim Cups, you know, so they need to be encouraged and know that they were close and they need to know, you know, that they're going to be a part of these ones in the future. Do you think, how big of a role do you think experience plays? Is it an asset? Is it not that important? Mm-hmm. I, or does it just depend on, on the person? I, it kind of depends on the moment you're talking about, you know, if it's, mm-hmm. it's that final putt like Suzanne had to win, experience a hundred percent. Um, if it's on a Friday in the middle of a match, probably doesn't matter quite as much. I mean, when it's tight, I think it does matter. Um, I think it's important though, to have people that have played just to tell the other girls kind of what to expect. Hey, you know, I've been there. I've been nervous. I've hit horrible golf shots. I've hit great golf shots. You know, we've been all spectrums of it. So it's just helping them to be ready for what they're going to experience that week. Um, it, I think is the most important part. Yeah. Um, kind of the elephant in the room. I mean, it's a great mm-hmm. elephant in the room is, is you're currently fourth on the Solheim uh, yes. points list. You're, you're in great form in 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you still would be fully committed to be a playing captain. Uh, should, should you qualify? Is, is that right? Yeah. So when, when Molly called me and told, asked me, you know, if I would be captain, I said, yes, absolutely. And at that point I had zero intentions of playing. And so then I go play well, and now I'm in fourth in the points. So I was like, well, I guess I can't really answer the question that way anymore. Um, but I mean, if, if I'm one of the best 12 at that point and I need to play, I will play. I mean, I think, um, you know, you got to take your 12 best players there. And so, um, it, but it's, I mean, it's going to be at least next summer before that's even talked about. And that would be, you know, talking to my assistants and figuring out with them how things would work. And, um, I would still technically be captain, but I would be playing. And, um, so they would kind of have to take some of the, the lead on some of the other things that would go on. Um, but you know, I, I, I think I could do it if I needed to, I do, I do know that. Would it be tough? And let's say you're, you know, you finish eighth or ninth on, on the points list. Would it be difficult for you to pick yourself perhaps as a, as a captain selection? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if I could be a pick. I don't know if I could pick myself. <laughs> um, yeah, I, it would come down to pairings and, you know, if I, I don't know. I haven't even thought about that yet, to be honest, but you know, if, if I make it on points, I think it's hard to say, I'm not going to play if I, especially if you qualify automatically. So, um, but again, we'll, we'll cross that bridge a year for a year over a year from now, I guess, before we're really talking about it. Do you, do you get a competitive kick out of that 
hypothetical qualifying oh, or sure. has, I that, always has that been I a motivator? Wanna, oh yeah. yeah. I mean, I always want to win. <laughs> I always want to play. Like, I mean, that's just the competitive side of me. So, um, it's not going to change how I play on the golf course or go try to win golf tournaments. That, that doesn't change at all. I mean, you know, hopefully it's, you know, maybe more motivation for the other girls to, to step it up. Well, let's talk about team Europe and, and specifically their captain, Suzanne mm-hmm. Pedersen. Obviously she has uh, such a, a bright and colorful history in the Solheim cup. What does it mean to you mm-hmm. to be able to, you know, go against her now in, in the captain's position? It's, it's honestly one of the most, one of the things I'm most excited about is to go up against Suzanne. I mean, she is the Solheim cup. I mean, every, gosh, she could think the last, 10, 12 years. I mean, every Solheim Cup Suzanne's a part of, she's a big part of, you know, she's winning points and, um, and just, I mean, just her personality, she's so fiery and so competitive. And, um, we, I was trying to think, and we, I think we only played one match against each other ever in our years of doing it. Um, obviously played a lot on tour together and competed. And, um, I just, I love the competitor she is and fire. We're both fiery. I, I said it before that, we really can't have any rules issues because neither one of us is gonna is going to back down. So, um, so it's, um, I'm really, really looking forward to it. It's funny you say that because I was speaking with Beth Ann Nichols of, uh, Mm -hmm. of, of golf week, of course, a little earlier, and we were both saying, please, God, please let there be, uh, some sort of controversy. (laughs) Of course, of course we want it. It would make for such riveting television. Oh gosh. Uh, but yeah, I, I got to imagine, like I said, just from, from an outsider's perspective, it's, it's such a, a fun matchup of captains. And I, I know mm-hmm. your teams will, will take on, you know, your personas and, and it should make for, sure. for an awesome event. Do you know much about the course in Spain, the, the, the host venue? I don't, um, I'm obviously going to make a trip probably later this summer, go check it out. Um, you know, you go online, the resort looks beautiful. So I yeah. can't wait to go on a little vacation <laughs> to the South of Spain, um, yeah. <laughs> selfishly. Um, but, you know, I, you know, the golf course is important, you know, I think for just style of golf of knowing who could play well there, really. So mm-hmm. I want to go play the golf course and kind of see how it plays, whether it's length or whether it's, you know, kind of ball striking and hitting a lot of greens. Um, but I, I mean, golf course plays into it a little bit, but ultimately, you know, it, it comes down to players making putts is, is usually what wins the thing. And correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is the, the actual course setup during the event mm-hmm. is more handled by the LPGA. Um, mm-hmm. So it's kind of out of the captain's hands a little bit. Correct. Um, yeah. I is... mean, I, th- I think kind of two weeks, usually they usually give about two weeks ahead of time. I think the home captain can have a little bit of say, but then once you get inside that window, it's, it's just the tour, you know, the officials setting it up from there. Do you like it that way? Uh, I mean, I, I guess as a <laughs> captain, you'd like to be able to control it, but just broadly yeah. speaking, cause I, I, I do like it that way. I, I think mm-hmm. this past uh, Solheim cup at Inverness, the course, honestly, the course was a little bit more difficult or fiery, I guess, hard. than mm-hmm. I would have expected, yes. but, but I thought it made for a, a true test. And, mm-hmm. um, at least to my eyes, it, it was, it just was a great few days of golf. So I, yeah. but I don't know, you know, from your experience and, and now being in the mm-hmm. captain's role, if, if that's something you would like to be a little bit different. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I'd rather leave it up to the officials. I think it's, you know, they set up our golf courses week in and week out and they know what kind of players we are. So, 
I'd rather leave that to them. I mean, I, I think some of that stuff, you can really overthink it and can kind of get lost in the course setup stuff. Um, when, you know, when it really, in the grand scheme of thing, it doesn't really matter that much, but I just, I think you can over, it's one of those things you can overanalyze. And so I kind of like that it's out of my control and one less thing for me to worry about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) since the news has broken, have you made any new best friends or have you noticed people, you know, (laughs) perhaps some players, uh, being a little bit more chummy with you, anything like that yet? Uh, yeah. I mean, I had a lot of players reach out to me, which is really cool. (laughs) You know, they're excited about it. And, um, I know along the way, we'll get a lot of people volunteering to be helpers and things like that. I've already had a lot of, you know, my swing coach, my parents, you know, like I can, I'll help in any way I can, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's just it's, right now, it's just so fun to talk to people and, you know, you know, everybody's just so excited about it, which is really fun. Well, it's fantastic. Again, congratulations. I, I think from a, a fan's perspective, I'm so thrilled that the LPGA was willing to step outside the box a little bit. And and I think you're such a worthy uh, selection. And again, uh, the the prospect of you and Suzanne leading your teams, um, I I just cannot wait for the Solheim Cup next year. So I I appreciate the time and insight and congratulations again. You got it. Thank you so much. Favorite trapper, the absolute truth, yeah, no joke. Who 